Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathrum. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathrum. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We want to get 1% better every day. How do we chip away at it? The mission of this podcast is to help us find those daily practices that allow us to align with our purpose, motivate us to be our best selves, and making maximum impact in achieving our goals. We discover and share the mindsets, the motivations, the habits of executive leaders in military, government, and technology. If it's your first time here, please remember to follow us wherever you happen to be listening, along with Instagram, and be on the lookout for our website to go live, where we will have a monthly newsletter designed to help us get 1% better every day with practices, books, habits, things we've learned, things we want to share. Today's episode is with Haresh Bengalia, the CEO of CasePoint. Haresh shares with us all the practices and habits he's learned over the last 20 years as an individual and as an entrepreneur. He talks about the relationship with his kids and how that's important to him and how it's actually changed, what that bond really means to him, what his ultimate mission and purpose is, and how that drives him to do his best and to continue to show up as his best, how he stays uncomfortable at all times to continue to grow. So a great conversation and a lot of motivation and takeaways coming from it. Please be on the lookout for the next episode of Let's Talk Tech with NVTC. You can find more information about it on the web at nvtc.org, also on their Twitter, at Nova Council. So we're really grateful to continue to host that and partner with Northern Virginia Technology Council. A lot of great insights coming out of those chats. Please also be on the lookout for the launch of our website. We're hoping that you guys help us beta test it. Give us your suggestions. Find ways to get better. We want to get 1% better. We want that website to be your resource. So once it's live, we're going to make sure that we put it out on all of our channels to get any feedback of how we can continue to make it better and make sure that it's the best possible product. We want to get 1% better. So if you're not already subscribed to Instagram or on LinkedIn, please check us out there so you don't miss any of the announcements. And with that, let's get into the episode. All right. Well, we're in the office of Case Point here in Tyson's Corner, a legal discovery company. We're sitting down today with uh, Haresh Bengalia. How are you doing, Haresh? I'm great, Philip. How are you? I'm doing great. Legal discovery. What does that mean? Legal discovery actually could mean a lot of things. But when, it, when you boil it all down, it's about helping clients find the nuggets within their data sets as they're going through internal investigations, litigation, compliance regulatory activities, data breach analysis, things along those lines. It's about, you know, how you find what you're looking for within the data that you have. That's a lot. It is a little complicated. That's a lot. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I, but but that's awesome. And how long have you guys been in business? We've been in business since 2008. Eight. Eight, yeah. But this isn't your first company. No, it's not, no. Yeah. What else have you done in the past? What, what led you here? So I started my first company in 2000, actually. And that was shortly right out of college, a couple years out of college. I worked for Arthur Anderson at the time. And that's when, you know, kind of... Yeah, when the world was supposed to end on 2000. Right, Y2K, and uh, and there was like a huge global shortage of technologists and and all that other fun stuff. And so we started started up providing IT services, and that kind of morphed into a bigger thing around 
government services and things along those lines. And so that was 2000 and I ran that from 2000 to 2012. And along the way, we started what is now today Case Point. Yeah. And Anderson, that became Accenture, right? After a while. So actually, when I was at Arthur Anderson, Anderson Consulting had already split off, which then became Accenture. Okay. But I was working for Arthur Anderson Business Consulting. Okay. The one that kind of went poof in the end run. Okay. Debacle back right. The- That's bringing back memories. Yeah. Yeah. So you it sounds like you've just been an entrepreneurial guy, like from the start. What did you do in college? What, what kind of major did you major in? So I actually majored in economics. Yeah. So business, you knew that you wanted to do something with this, right? Well, I did. You know, growing up, there was a couple of things that I knew that I didn't want to do. Yeah. I didn't want to be a doctor. Yeah. Didn't want to be an engineer. I just yeah. didn't have the chops to do that. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My dad was an entrepreneur and, you know, that's just the environment that I grew up in. So there was always that desire to do something. So then I said, okay, well, maybe, you know, you go into economics, finance, maybe go to Wall Street or get into management consulting or something along those lines. And in the end, it just kind of led me to where I am today. How many folks do you have? So we have about 600. Okay. Globally. Wow. 600 people. Yeah. That's yeah. It's lot. fun. Yeah. It's fun. How many did you start with? So we started with two. Oh, wow. Right. I mean, so, so let me tell you how we kind of got involved, right? So actually Vishal Rajpura and Vipul Rajpura are the founders of the company. They started it and like many entrepreneurs, they ran out of funding along the way. They approached me and Budish Gelani, my business partner at the time at, at the previous company and said, Hey, do you guys want to come along for the ride? We need a little bit of support. And so we provided financial support and some management support to them early on. And that's how we got involved. And I think the way that we looked at it was pretty straightforward. A, we believed in these two individuals, you know, they're good, hardworking individuals. And we also believed in the market. We saw that there was a market opportunity out there of kind of solving the the legal discovery workflows with a better widget. And we felt that we could bring, we could bring that widget to market. And that's how we got involved. And I didn't start getting really involved until 2012 and actually closer to 2016, 17. Who does legal discovery? Like who are some of the clients that you serve and and when does that come up? Yeah. So it's really about when there is a litigation activity or when there is an investigation. Okay. So if you think about it, like let's say, for example, you're working for a large multinational corporation, XYZ. Well, they have internal investigations that are going on all the time around Foreign Crop Practice Act type stuff, or there may be improper IP infringement, or so like, for example, when Google and Apple go at it, or Facebook and XYZ, whoever it might be, well, there's a massive data exchange that happens between the two parties. And when that data exchange happens, that data needs to go into a system so that it can be reviewed. Mm. And you can run analytics on top of it. You can do some really cool AI type of uh, things and so on and so forth to help you find the storyline that you're looking for. Okay. That's why it was early on. It was really difficult to come up with a 30-second elevator pitch because it's a little bit more complicated than yeah. that. Right? It's a little, it is a little bit more complicated than that. And so think about your inbox, for example. Your, you know, your, if you use Google or uh, Outlook or whatever you're using. So within that inbox, there's attachments within attachments, zip files, there's this, that, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so now what we do is we take that and we rip that data apart to its smallest common denominator so that everything is searchable. So if you've got a zip with a PDF with an embedded something, we pull it all apart. And you can search for individual, like you you can find everything that says Philip on it. That's exactly right. Or we can even find how many times has Philip talked to Mark? Mm. And at what time are they talking? Mm. And you can even get to a point of, well, what medium are they using to talk? Right? Are they talking mm. on email, while also on chat, also on Slack, also on 
Mm. Can oh. you and you can see the actual conversations? If I have permissions, I can see the actual conversations. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you're doing that with with software that you guys have created, right? You have a couple couple different patents. Yeah. So we actually developed the software in house completely from ground up. So it's all developed in you know by us and by our team. And so yeah, it's all yeah. There's couple of patents and a bunch of other things how do you do that how do you how do you like say like i have this idea for this software and and then get it you know to a point where it actually exists and then you're running a company doing that right i mean especially going from two people to to now where you are like this i mean that's got to be yeah well i mean i think that in this particular instance i mean i'm really fortunate i mean i surrounded with surrounded myself with great business partners yeah so our chief technology officer is really the brains behind the tech so he's the one that kind of really came up with kind of the technical aspects of what it is that we do and how we do it Mm -hmm. it was kind of his idea of hey look if we take all of these so to get to go back to the beginning of kind of how the idea came about so when you looked at the legal discovery workflow it was being met by multiple pieces of technology. So you had one piece of technology that, that did the processing. You had one piece of the technology that did the analytics. You had another piece that did the review, another piece that did, you know, another component. And so we looked at it and said, look, well, that looks pretty archaic. Like, why would you use different pieces of tech to solve a single problem? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. So then we set out to build a piece of technology that would glue it all together into a single piece of continuous tech. And so Vishal, our CTO, and, and Vipul, our chief operating officer, really went out, and they're, they're the ones that kind of drove that and kind of put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And then my role has really been predominantly around sales, marketing, strategy, finance, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. It's like, how do we go to market? How do we position this? How do we, how do we make case point what it is today? And kind of, you know. Is that, is that scary at all? You know, during the time where you're like, we need to grow, we need to find customers, right? Because it's great to have a product. Yeah. But then what? What do you do with it? How do you, when you're out there and you're talking to people, because you have a family and everything else, right? Is that a vulnerable, like, talk, what does that even feel like to, to not know if it's going to work? Yeah, it's tough, you know? I mean, to actually get the real context, you have to kind of go back to the, the first company that we started, right? I mean, you know, look, we went without compensation for five years, no salary for five years. And in that five years, I mean, uh, newly married, had yeah. our firstborn. Actually, we moved to the D.C. area. Where'd you bought move from? from Chicago, bought a house, had our second child. I mean, all within that first five year period. And you just got to be tenacious. And, you know, it takes support. And we were very fortunate to have the support of our parents to help us through that time period. We borrowed a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. We made sure that we paid all the interest on time and paid the principal back when it was when it was due. But you always so our thing was that as so long as we knew that we were making forward progress and we knew that we were moving in a direction that was going to yield an outcome, you stay the course. Mm. And and then there was always a backstop, right? The backstop was, okay, if, if none of this works, I know that I can get a job and make whatever, you know. Okay. And then my wife can get a job. And, you know, my parents lived in Dallas at the time. I mean, shoot, I'll just move in with them for a little while, yeah. pay everybody off, get back on my feet. And that was a backstop. It was either go big or go home type of thing. Yeah, you know, I hear that from pretty much every leader, especially the entrepreneurial leaders, and from the folks that get brought in as a president or CEO, because yeah. I've talked to a few that they, that's their forte. That's what they do. They get brought into a company to accomplish a certain goal. And it's always this message of not looking back. But how do you cultivate that sort of mindset? Because I'm sure you had conversations with like your wife, or there's probably moments with yourself where, what am I doing? 
Is yeah. this going to work? Yeah. What do you do with that thought? Yeah, no, you do have that thought. You know, fortunately for me, my wife also comes from a family of entrepreneurs, so it was pretty easy for her to grasp the idea of kind of, you know, kind of swinging for the fences, yeah. so to speak, right? So, so, so she, she was very understanding through the entire process. And, you know, and I, had a, and I had a great business partner who was also my cousin, and, you know, he and I, we were in it together, basically. Yeah. You know, and I think that what happens a lot of times is that individuals have an idea of something that they want to do. They have a vision of where they want to get. They don't have, and it's, I don't know if it's entirely fair for me to say this, but it's almost like they don't have the will to get there. And what I mean by that is that they'll be half in, but then they'll be half out. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I see a lot of entrepreneurs out there where, you know, they want to do something. They've got a great idea. They, They have conviction around the idea, but they're not ready to jump all the way in. So they keep like a side gig or they've got something to kind of do something or whatever. Do you think that that hurts you? I think it does. I mean, I think that at the appropriate time when you're like, hey, look, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to really put in 18 hours a day to kind of make this idea a reality. Because you got to, as we were talking earlier before we started the podcast, right? You got to surrender to your idea. Yeah. Right? You got to go all in. Yeah. The surrender experiment makes you sinker. Yeah, right? And if, if if you don't believe in that, then... Then, yeah. how, then how are you going to get your team to rally around? How do you get your customers to rally around it? How do you get, I mean, at the end of the day, think about this, Philip. It's like, whether I'm genuine to you or not, you can read it, right? Yeah. You, you know if I'm, if I'm genuine. Or if you don't even believe what you're saying. Yeah, but if, if, if I don't even believe it, yeah. then how do, you, how do you come across genuine to your team? How do you, how do yeah. you lead a team, right? I'll tell you, the number way to motivate someone, in my opinion, or our opinion, is just be honest, if you're just honest and you're direct and you trust people and you respect individuals and you're genuine, I think that's what it takes. If you believe in what you're doing and you articulate what it is that you're trying to do, then they also will believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I guess, I guess let me share one other quick thing with you to kind of put some context around this. So think about this, right? In, in our lives, we spend a majority of our time doing one of two things. Either we're at work or thinking about work. That's one thing. And the second thing is sleeping. Those are the only two things that we do the most. (laughs) Think about that. Right? And so I can't help you with your sleep. Well, maybe I can if I give you a better work environment. Maybe you do sleep better at night. I don't know. But there's other dynamics to that, right? Right, right. Okay. But definitely, we can definitely improve or, or, or not improve, but influence your work life. Right? Now, it's called work for a reason. So, yes, it's challenging and it's difficult and all that. But it doesn't have to be... Uh, filled with anxiety, doesn't have to be filled with unnecessary bureaucracy, doesn't have to be filled with unnecessary politics, right? I mean, why can't you create a meaningful environment where people feel comfortable? Like they feel like, now you cannot replace actual home, but where they, where they feel at home. Think about how miserable life is if you walk into a, a professional environment day in and day out, and this cloud sits on top of you the entire mm. day that you're there, nine to five, nine to seven, nine to nine, depending on what you're working. Philip, that's just, that's not, it's not the way life was intended to be lived. Yeah. And if individuals like us have an opportunity to create a more meaningful environment for professional progress. It doesn't have to hurt. You know, this idea of like no pain, no gain. I talk about that with a lot of people. Why would it hurt? Yeah. There is what I would call good pain in a way. And so, so let me explain what I mean by that. 
So getting individuals and putting them in uncomfortable situations so they can grow as an individual Mm -hmm. is painful, but it's not the negative type of pain, right? You know, you you sitting on top of someone and stressing them out to a point where they feel this pain, where they have health problems, that's pain, Right. right? But motivating someone or encouraging someone to expand their horizons and try something different in, 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 in watching them succeed, it's painful, Yeah, but it's a good type of pain. Yeah, growing past our limitations does often cause some pain, some growing pains, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's discomfort, right. at the least. Yeah, at, right? the at the least, At the very least, you're discomfort, I mean, you're, 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 you're right. not comfortable. But if you're if you're comfortable, you're probably not growing either. You're probably not growing. You're you're you know? you're complacent at that. Point. But anxiety is yeah. is a different thing, that right? Is a different if it's thing. if it's if it's stress to the point where you don't even want to show up. Yeah. What do you do to create that sort of environment? The one thing that I do happen to know about you guys, which is awesome, you have a personal trainer for everybody that works here. We do. Yeah. And so it was kind of funny. So in 2016, 17 is when I came on as full time CEO. Because I'd kind of divested out of everything else and kind of was really hooking myself into Case Point. And we actually rebranded the company from At Legal Discovery to Case Point, And we moved into the offices that we're in today. And we actually built out a national sales team. And we built out international infrastructure and stuff like that. And so as we were looking for a new office space, the number one criteria was it must have a gym. Because I've had a personal trainer for a number of years because health and wellness is very important. And so then I was kind of like, well, okay, I can train in the gym in the office and kind of have my personal trainer come in and, and do that. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Like optically that looks like really bad. You know, it's like in the middle of the morning, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go work out. Like, <laughs> how's that work? Yeah, right. My personal trainer's here to kind of, you know, put me in shape. And then we decided that, look, if we're going to do this, it had to be equitable across the board. So we just hired him full time. And he basically trains everybody that's in our Northern Virginia office here. And then for our remote folks, we actually provide a health and wellness stipend so that they also can kind of, you know, take care of themselves in whichever manner they feel comfortable. Nice. Do you feel like that there's a connection between your physical well-being and your mental well-being? I 100 percent. Right. I mean, I think in each individual is different and I can't tell you what works for you or what doesn't work for you. I know for me that if I haven't worked out over a period of time, an extended period of time, I, I'm not, I don't feel myself. You know, now that the warmer weather is starting to come online, uh, so, I, so I cycle quite a bit, and so we'll start cycling, and it's it's meditative, right? It's, it's a yeah. way for you to decompress, and, yeah. you know, and we go out, and, you know, we'll do 30, 40, 50, 60, 100-mile bike rides, and it's just, just a lot of fun, and, and you get out there, and you feel, if it, 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 it gets the positivity. Yeah. Uh, going inside of you essentially do you find that if you don't do that can you feel yourself being a different person around your team and have you ever noticed that before yeah look i think that as you go through life i mean you know certain habits form and certain things come together and you know we get irritated i mean it's it's, it's normal right i mean it's, it's it's a normal thing and so you know that's why i try to maintain a good cadence of just making sure that i I know what I need to take yeah. care of. I need to take care of it. You maintain it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's like preventative maintenance on a property. I mean, yeah. you do preventative maintenance, so you don't have to maintain yeah. it. Like nothing breaks. That's exactly right. So you just maintain this lifestyle. So you cycle. You mentioned something meditative. Do you meditate separately or do you, is that your form of meditation where you get to just empty your mind? 
You know, I do not meditate separately. It's something that I've thought about, but I haven't really started yet. But cycling is one of those things where I can completely zone out. Yeah. Like it's, it happens automatically, right? Do you go somewhere like where there's no cars around and stuff? No, you I mean, you, it's, it's a little bit difficult when you're just on the regular trails here. But if you, yeah. but if you go off the trails and stuff like that, there's open roads and you can kind of yeah. really, really kind of get some rides. In. Yeah. Get some rides. And yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Do you have a morning routine at all? I know you have kids. When I ask people that have kids, that they have a morning routine? They all laugh at me. Yeah. No, um, that's, that's, that's well, yes and no. So my morning routine is one thing that I did tell myself was that no matter what's going on, I will drop my kids off at school in the morning. And okay. So that's my morning routine. Yeah. And now, you know, when they were younger and they were all three were going to the same school, I mean, the car rides were very lively and very chatty and they were yeah. memorable. You know, now it's kind of as the kids have gotten a little bit older, uh, they're a little bit quieter in the morning because, you know, teenagers aren't morning people. If yeah. you haven't noticed, you know, they're on uh, their phone and stuff. Well, and- so no, I mean, on the phone, no, not on their phone, really. But we end up just kind of, you know, they're quiet and we just end up listening to like a morning podcast or something like that. Yeah. And it's just it's a but but I think it's just the physical presence of being there that, that I know is important for me. And so especially early on, you know, when we we're working late nights and stuff like that, yeah. it's not that I, I didn't get a chance to see them in the evening. So this was my way for the to connect in the morning. Yeah, message. spend some time with them. Yeah. yeah, you have three kids, right? Yeah, boys and girls. So boy, girl, girl. How do you think that you you being able to run this business successfully is affecting their ideas of what they think is possible or what they can do or whether or not they, have they mentioned that they want to start a company or do anything like that? No, I think that you know as these as as when the kids were younger, I don't think they really understood what was going on because this was just a way of life. You know, they didn't really. There's nothing to compare them compare oh, right. right? Yeah. And it's like this is just the way it was. You know, and I honestly was not around for their younger years anyway as they were growing up and stuff like that. And as they got older, I think that they're coming into their own. I think that when you look at kids these days, they have a very individual personality and they want to be their own person and their own individual kind of uh, person, I guess. I mean, I said it twice, but what not? <laughs> but <laughs> but because it, it is one of those things that resonates in my head quite a bit. I think the main thing is that with our kids, I think it's, you know, letting them kind of discover who they are so they can go through that discovery process and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. figure out where they want to end up. Do you think that you seeing like your family members being entrepreneurial, you think that affected you at all? Do you think that that idea of you got to be 100 percent in? Yeah. Where'd that come from? Did you think of that yourself or did you see that from someone else? You got a mentor? Yeah. So I think a couple of things. Right. So I think that going back to kind of, you know, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, I think that risk taking was something that came a little bit easier. Right. So, I mean, I saw them. Yeah. Because yeah, imagine for a second. Right. I mean, if you are a technologist or a doctor or an engineer or whatever, and you're making X dollars per year or whatever it is. Well, it's difficult to go from that to zero and start something, right? right. So it's just difficult. And I think whereas, you know, I started pretty early in my career anyhow, so it was it was easier from that perspective. But that whole notion of, hey, look, you, know, you got to put in the blood, sweat, and equity to kind of get out on the other side, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't much of a conversation, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and from from that standpoint. I think from a mentorship perspective, as you were asking, I don't have a mentor, but I think that as you look around you and you're open to the universe, you find mentors everywhere. Right. Right. I mean, like, like, I mean, I'm talking to you and I can, I can, I can look at things about you and your life and I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Like I should like really like embrace that or X, you know, whoever it might be. Right. So I think it's just about being open to the universe that you're in and kind of, you know, listening and being aware of what's going on And and the learning never stops. Yeah, 100%. Sometimes when I ask that question to some people, 
it's not that I mean that you formally go to someone and you sit down and, and it's this very like, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. It's more like, yeah. you know, it's just someone that you call once in a while yeah. or every month or every so often. And I have different, I, I don't know if you're like this, but I have mentors for different things. Like I have mentors in business and then I have mentors, guys that are a little bit older than me that have families and some, mm-hmm. some kids, you know, physical fitness, yeah. got folks that I look to and, and get advice from. It really just means getting advice yeah. from someone, I think. You yeah. Have, yeah. So from that standpoint, I, I think I'm, I'm similar to you where there's different people in my life that I go to for different things. Right. Yeah. And, and what it comes down to it is when I mean, you're a product of your surroundings. So choose who you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with like minded individuals that can uplift you and give you a different perspective and that you can learn from them and maybe they can learn from you. I don't know. I think that it's really it comes down to that. And so depending on what's going on, you know, had multiple mentors through life, multiple individuals that that I've looked up to in one way or another. I mean, obviously the easy one is our parents, right? I mean, that's an easy one to, to kind of always look up to. Yeah, but but individuals come and go sometimes and yeah, and they kind of help help nudge you along. Season or reason. You're one of those entrepreneurs that, you know, you weren't, like you weren't a coder. You weren't technical in, in nature. And it, and it sounds like you've partnered yourself with some people that are like very technical. Would you say that that's the recipe for, for success? For someone who's maybe in their 20s and also studied economics. Yeah. Right. But wants to be, you know, looks at the software industry, looks at the technology industry and wants to be a part of it, but isn't a technical person. Yeah. What are some of the things they can be doing to help themselves either get more knowledgeable about technology or, or just to, to find those right people to surround themselves with? Yeah, I think so. So the really cool thing is if you think about it, you don't need to be a technologist today to be an entrepreneur. You don't even need to know how to code because there's low code platforms that are out there that will yeah. do the coding for you. It's like all you have to do is just come up with the idea, right? What business problem are you solving? What void in the market are you addressing? What is it that you're providing that no one else is providing? Or how are you providing something that's being provided but providing it better? What is your niche? Mm -hmm. And then all of the other pieces around it, all the technical stuff, that's the easy part these days. Now, when you get into that type of, you know, marketscape or whatever, I mean, enterprise class software is still very difficult. I mean... Some of the things that we do is still legacy enterprise class type stuff, and that's got challenges all over the place. But yeah. but if you're 20 something and you have an idea and you want to do something, finding the technical resources to develop what it is that you want to get developed, that's the easy part. I think that today in this world of very low attention span, we live in a world of branding, marketing, yeah. and buzz, right? I mean, right. think about it. TikTok. Crazy thing is TikTok as a concept has been around forever. Yeah, it's Vine. Vine, it's, yeah. right? Right? But TikTok for some reason just took off, right? And Snapchat's been around for a It's not just about the tech. It's as much about the emotional connection than anything else. Yeah, you're saying like the, the, the creation of that, the physical creation of that wasn't the hard part. And then what about the other way around though? Let's say you are a technical person. What can they be doing if you are technical in nature to learn some of those skills that you just naturally possess or that you've been working on? Like what can they do? Yeah, so I think that that really is one of those things where, again, you go back to surround yourself with people that you want to be like, right? Yeah. And so that's where you find some of the tech meetups or the entrepreneur meetups and things along those lines great resources in this area and anywhere that individuals may be living, you know, you really just got to put yourself out there and, and then start to connect with individuals that might be, you know, incremental to that conversation and kind of expose you to certain things that you may not entirely be, be aware of or comfortable with. You know, I don't think that anybody is 
born one way naturally or another. I think a lot of it is, you know, we are, you know, nature versus nurture type of thing. And so, yeah. yeah. What do you think about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset? Yeah. Like I very much believe in the growth mindset. I think that that's, it's super important. You know, I mean, one could argue that once an individual gets to a certain point in life, certain level of success, whatever it might be, a certain bank balance, whatever, that, you know, they can just kind of ride off into the sunset. I mean, I I don't believe in that. I mean, I think that you always have to push yourselves and you have to do something different. So I'll give you an example. Going from the last company, which was a government services business, mm-hmm. to what is now Case Point, one of the things that I wanted to do was to prove to myself and, and to my kids as well, I think, was that we have the ability to do it in multiple industries, right? Because I didn't know tech, right? Uh-huh. right? I, I mean, I didn't know tech. But, but when you're a services company and you're providing professional services versus we are providing a technology platform right, right, right. as being consumed by the market, and you don't do any government work, right? We, well, we do some public sector work, but we're just selling the software. Right. We're not selling professional services. Mm-hmm. And so in that, and it was also going from a 95% government client base to what today is like 70% private sector, right? I mean, law firms, corporations, right. that right. type of thing, like private companies, you know, that's also a, a change. Right. And, and But I think that, you know, you always have to, push yourself, right? You always have to kind of say, okay, get yourself, you know, for, I guess for me, I feel as if like I'm comfortable when I'm always uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, cause, cause if I get too comfortable, then I know that I'm getting complacent. Yeah. You're not growing anymore. I'm not growing anymore. Yeah. I think you were saying before you weren't around a whole lot when your kids were younger cause you were working so, mm-hmm. so, so late and so much. Does that weigh on you at all? 100% it weighs on yeah. you. I mean, of course it does. I mean, yeah. it's like one of those things. I mean, I'll give you a story, right? I mean, so, you know, it's like our son was born. We were in Chicago. I started flying out to D.C., you know, and pretty much, you know, just, just left Alpa and him there, right? Yeah. And then and then we had our second one, and we had moved to D.C. by then, and we were in the throes, and you know, I'd come home at night and, you know, I hadn't seen my daughter all day and she's a baby and, you know, I'd pick her up from the crib just like so a hug her. And, uh, and my wife would watch and she knew that as soon as I left, that baby was going to cry and, mm. you know, and she, but she, she let me, she let me do that, you know, because she knew that that was important yeah. for that bonding moment. And when you look at, you look at life today, we're very, very blessed, you know, uh, honestly, I mean, COVID actually had its ups and downs, obviously, but the family time that we got in has been great. And one of the things that we've been able to do as a family consistently for, for a while is, you know, we do take a fair number of vacations and trips. Together. Uh, together, just to kind of really... How old are the three? So 19, 16, and 13. So they're all teenagers. They're all teenagers, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're all teenagers, yeah. So, and then the five of you go away together usually? Yeah, we go away together. So we actually have a place down in Miami that we go to quite a bit and... You know, you just kind of go out there and you just kind of decompress because, I mean, especially now that they're, they are the age that they are, the only way to get their attention is to get them away from this because they're so busy when they're here. You know, they're yeah, all in school. school and- yeah. Like, like Monday through Friday, I mean, I mean, I'm home in the evenings, but they're busy. Yeah. You they know? playing sports and stuff or? No, just homework. Just the sheer amount of homework oh. that a high school kid has is yeah. uh, it, it, it's a little over the top. You know, that's why the one thing that we learned over, uh, we learned a lot of things over COVID, but one thing is. You know, when we get on the other side of this thing, I'm saving my weekends. 
I'm saving my weekends. I can spend time with the kids and Mm -hmm. be home and just, you know, be present basically. Is a 19 year old in college? He is in college. Yeah. Yeah. Around here locally? Yeah. He's at American. So right up the street. I mean, they're all virtual right now. So that's, you know, yeah. tough tough way to start freshman year of college. Right. Yeah. But at least for the two younger ones, you know that they're in the house, you know, in high school for the next couple of years. So when you're you're home on the weekends, you can definitely spend time with them. That's right. Each one of them is such a unique kid. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're just unique in their own way. Like Arjun, our oldest is just a very outgoing, vibrant, enthusiastic type of individual where Mira's that way when she's with you, but she's not clamoring to like, you know, go out and do things all the time. You know, is that the middle one? That's the middle one. Yeah. Yeah. And then our youngest one, I mean, she very loving, I mean, purest of pure hearts, but she keeps her circle tight. You know, she's like, she has her group of a few friends that she hangs out with and that's what she likes to do so they're all so unique in their own way and in their own kind of even their aspirations in terms of what they want to do you know it's it's amazing i think that's one of the things that we've kind of been a proud of and i think hopefully they will also say that we've allowed where we haven't really nudged them into a box or another you know it's kind of like hey let's let's kind of figure out what you like what you don't like what do you want to do? What don't you want to do type of thing? Which I think at times gets a little overwhelming. It's like going to a buffet or you go to a buffet, there's all this food. Yeah. Like, well, I can't figure out what I really want to eat, but I can eat anything I want. And yeah. it's like, well, too many options. Too many, option, too many yeah. options sometimes too. And so, you know, you have to balance that a little bit. So what we tell our kids is look, as parents, we have many responsibilities, but one of our responsibilities is either, you know, help them support them in whatever way. Right. Okay. So that way then they can live the lifestyle that they want to live whatever lifestyle that is, but then also teach them to live within whatever means they're able to produce for themselves. That's also very important. Yeah. Uh, Teaching them some responsibility that it's, you know, I mean, you did well, but that doesn't mean that they don't have to work. Maybe they have other aspirations and they have other things that they want to, that really get them excited and they should like, I mean, if one of them wants to be, you know, let's say a, a teacher, for example, I mean, that's a very, very noble thing. You know, and and so you should go do that. And then it's our responsibility to make sure that they're able to live within the means that they're able to produce for themselves. Yeah. It sounds like you're not you're not giving them something that they need to measure up to. Or if they want to push themselves, you probably help them do that. But you're not going to, like, force them into anything. Yeah. I mean, so we as parents believe that we're not. But I'll be very frank. I mean, it's just like, I mean, society does. Right. I yeah. mean, that's just I mean, it's one of those things where so. You know, we've had conversations as a family about some of those things. You know, some of it is kind of the pressure of meeting the bar, right? Yeah. Or the pressure of, well, hey, like, I don't want to do what you do, but I do enjoy some of the things that we do, but I'm afraid of my professional choices and, you know, that type of... So we've had we've had very detailed family conversations about some of these things. But, you know, as parents, our goal really is to support them to be who they want to be, what they want to be. That sounds like the fear of, of like the unknown or uncertainty. What do you tell them about that fear? What advice do you give it? And it's also your kids. It's not just some teenager. It's your teenager. Look, I think that at the end of the day, they're really, so there's a couple of things here. I think one is, you know, follow your moral compass, right? That's one thing. And follow, follow what your heart tells you. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not really truly into whatever it is that you're doing, 
then you're really only going to accomplish a portion of what can be accomplished because yeah. you're not because you haven't really put yourself into it essentially. And I think that the other thing is that we we ask them to look at life as I've mentioned a couple of times as a discovery process. Every day is a different thing. Try things. Without you trying something, you don't know whether you're going to like it or not like it. Don't have a fixed mindset. You know, don't yeah. have a closed mindset. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where one of our kids will try something and they'll come back and they're like, yeah, that's not for me. I was like, oh, it's success. Great, you can cross that off the list, right? We know that that's not something that's of interest. Right. But you don't know that until you try it. Right, right, right. Right? And, and whereas, whereas they'll try something, like, oh, that was exciting. Like, I enjoyed that. Oh, well, great, then we should do more of that. How do you measure success? What, what would you say would be the best way to define what, what it means to be successful? That's such a, it's such a difficult question to ask because success is different for different people, yeah. right? And I think there are many layers to success. And I think sometimes one could argue that, well, once you've hit the financial marker for success, it's easy for you to discount that marker, right? Because you're like, well, it's not for money. It's not, it's not why. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's easy to say that, right? Type of, once you already have the once money. Once you already have the money, you can be like, well, yeah. it's, it's not about the money. And so, right. you know, I think that for me personally, I just want to be a, a part of as many individuals lives as possible in a meaningful way so going back to you know that whole thing about you spend a majority of your time at work or thinking about work yeah right so let, if there's a way to make that as meaningful as possible for individuals that's really exciting i think that the other part that's exciting is that look we work with really really smart people they could easily be gainfully employed anywhere so it's not as if you know there's this magic about where they are and what we're doing and that type of thing but we take, we feel a certain degree of honor that we get to be a part of these life moments, right? I mean, kids graduating, you know, them buying their first home, getting married, having a baby, you know, all that fun stuff that goes along with it. Just watching that personal journey come together and, and helping individuals kind of achieve their, you know, their definition of personal and professional growth. One of those impactful moments that I always ask everybody is, I call it the jumping off point. But it's a moment in time where you can't keep doing what you're doing, but maybe you're unsure of what to do next, some sort of inflection point or pivot point. And it could be personal or professional. And I think we all, everyone gets them in both. Yeah. But can you think back at, throughout your career, whether it was this company or the one before, or even in school? Look, as an entrepreneur, you're, you have those moments on a regular. <laughs> Daily, probably. You do. Why am I still doing this? Why am I still doing this? I can get a job, like whatever it is. Whatever it is, right? Or, you know, you you're, one day you come in, you're like, I'm done. Then you calm down and you're like, well, Oklahoma, no, I'm not going to do that type of thing. You know, I've been very lucky in life in so many realms that I haven't had that whole kind of notion of it's time to give up. I'm going to wind this thing down. You know, like it, 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 it that hasn't occurred to me. Now, there was a period in the middle there between when we sold the last company and my joining as full-time CEO here, where in the middle I was experimenting with some other ideas. Let's look at like, you know, venture investing or yeah. angel investing and that type of stuff. I learned very quickly that that's not for me. And I did, and I did lose my shirt on that a little bit. Did you? And then I realized that I'm done with this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I stopped doing it. And that was a huge learning moment for me as an individual. It also was a learning moment for me in terms of valuing the thing that is the most valuable and that can never be recreated again. And it's time. 
So where do you spend your time? What is it that you're going to focus on personally, professionally, whatever it might be? So after going through that, I've actually started to guard my time pretty aggressively in terms of just making sure that I'm spending it on the things that, that, that provide me the most meaning. Yeah. Do you think that that thought coming to you when it did influence the way that you created a culture in uh, case point in any way of like, this is where these folks are spending the most time. And these are actually people that I want to develop meaningful relationships with, yeah. with the time we spend. Yeah. You think that had a lot to do with it? Yeah, I think that did have a lot to do with it. I think it was, it was an evolution over time. Like I'll give you another example, right? So we every year get the team over at our house for a annual adult night. It's the company? The company, yes. Yeah, so at your personal house? At my personal house. And we've been doing that for years, actually, even in the- How many people is this? So in the previous company, we did it up until we had a hundred and some odd people at our house. Oh, wow. And we don't live in a big house. This is- yeah. in, you know, no, right? And the idea there was, look, I'm grateful, thankful for- mm-hmm. For, for your efforts and I, we invite the spouses over and that type of stuff. So it's evolved quite a bit now. And so we've actually, we have actually moved into a, a different home now. And so every year we invite the, the team member and spouse or guest over to our house for an adult evening. And my wife and people and Vishal's wives, they turned the home into it. They transformed the whole thing. And so last year it was, well, yeah, I know we did do it last year because it was right before COVID. They turned the basement into a speakeasy. It's like a jazz bar type of thing or whatever. Yeah. And, and so anyway, so, so we had one of these when I first joined in 2013, 12, 13, whatever it was. And, uh, and my wife goes to me, she pulls me aside in the middle of, middle of the, the event. And she goes, something here doesn't feel right. She goes, this team is not gelling. It's not your team. You need to go fix it. And, and that really got me thinking about, I really need to own this. Like I'm not, mm. I'm not all in, you know, and yeah, which is your thing and you gotta be all in. Right. Right. And then, and then so over time we did become all in and now you look at it. So we actually do annually a, a pool party at our house as well, where we fly in not only the team member and their spouse, but their families for a weekend in DC. So everyone comes in, they check in, they get to hang out in DC and then, and then on, and on the Saturday, they all come over to our house and it's like one big pool party and just like have a good time and all that other fun stuff. But the cool thing that's happened from that is that our kids are now connect, connected with each other and they talk to one another. Oh, all the, the employees, like everyone's yeah. kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, right. I mean, not like everyone's kids, but, but, I mean, but enough, right? And yeah, so, the ones that they connect yeah, with. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like one of those things where when like their parent, their mom or their dad is like working a little extra, you know, it's like the family understands like this, yeah. is why, this is why they're doing it. So, I mean, you've talked a lot about like what you guys do. It sounds like it's a great place to work. I mean, you can come in, you can work out, you can feel at home, you get a nice little personal training session on, you're going to do some work, you know, once a year you get to hang out, you know, yeah. in a cool place, eat some cool food. For anyone listening, we get a lot of listenership from some of the universities. They want to get in touch with Case Point and try to be a part of this. How do they reach out? Yeah, I think the best thing is hello at casepoint.com. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just send Shoot an email there and it'll, it'll, it'll get to the right people, I promise you. Yeah, well, that's good stuff. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking some time. It's been great, you know, chatting with you and getting to know you. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, I just, yeah. It, yeah, just your, you know, 
as much as people, I used to be one of these people that would see people in a C-suite position or a leader or an entrepreneur and just figure they've always kind of been that way. And that's why they are where they are when the reality is, no, they just continued to do something and they got better at it over time and they just never stopped. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that hopefully that gives some motivation to anyone listening that wants to give it a go. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. They can, it's an evolution, not a revolution. An evolution, not a revolution. I like that. Yeah. Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders on Instagram at DC Local Leaders or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.